0: You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf from Iron Source.
1: So welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. Today on the show, we have Evgeny Perez, VP Growth at Iron Source. Evgeny is the architect of the Growth Loop, a new way of looking at game growth as a cycle and not a funnel. And in this episode, we'll be going over this concept, how it works, and what it means for game developers. So, Evgeny, thank you very much for being with us on the show today.
0: Thanks for having me, Melissa. I'm excited about this.
1: So, your VP Growth at Iron Source. Uh, it's it's a very nice sounding title. Uh, but it's not precisely the way most people would understand an internal growth role. What does your title actually mean?
0: Uh, th- this title is becoming more popular these days. I think we started like, this title uh, four or five years ago for us. Um, the idea was to focus on, from the company perspective, on our growth strategy. What does that mean in terms of product strategy? How do we set up our operations and how do we interact with the market? markets? Uh, obviously, it, it goes without saying that it's impossible to grow the company without having Having that right mindset that actually if we don't focus on what makes our clients grow, um, it just won't work. So that basically means for us spending time with the developers, our clients, understand better what their challenges are and kind of translate that with together with them. How do we support them? How do we, Which knowledge that we share, uh, the right knowledge, which tools, methodologies, and then later on, how do we... Uh, productize that and translate this to our uh, product strategy and roadmap
1: so speaking about kind of growth in the mobile ecosystem and the whole kind of the idea of growth how have you seen that change over the course of your time in the industry
0: um so my my, my personal starting point is uh end of 2012 this is kind of where i joined which is definitely not the beginning of this industry where i pretty much knew nothing
1: good place to start
0: a bit less than what i think i know now and i actually know more things that i don't know uh today Mm -hmm. so much more blind zones
1: Mm, they say that's the right way
0: I think on the business model side, it was kind of where things transitioned from paid apps to free-to-play. This is where things started growing there, where people realized that if an app is paid, no one is going to engage with it. Um, and in the last couple of months, we're seeing more and more subscription coming into gaming. Obviously, it was there before for uh, mm-hmm. for the Hulus and Netflix of the world. That's interesting to see how that actually evolves also in, inside gaming, which we're seeing more and more. We've seen the App Store take on ref Share around, in-app purchase, around um, subscriptions, how what is you know what what is their cut here and how actually companies react to that uh, looking at you know Spotify Tinder what happened with Fortnite on Google Play that was very interesting to see um, the actions taken there. Uh, but overall I, I think the the knowledge internally Growing within this industry, uh, how it evolved and translated into the tools, the products that are out there when you look at the platforms out there, the automation, the simplification of how easy it is to engage with the products platforms when you think about Google with the transition from AdWords to UC, which was a hard one uh, for the market to deal with, but ended up or something that uh, actually being, is being utilized much better by m- much more people because it just requires less knowledge. Uh, Facebook launching, app event optimization and value optimization, everything around uh, uh, automation and also how our platform evolved product-wise around um, optimizing ad monetization and, and uh, user acquisition and scaling things up, which is kind of related to this conversation. At the end of the day, it was knowledge translated into products, I would say.
1: Mm-hmm. And- how has i mean speaking of kind of app business models and the transition from from pay to, to freemium how has the rise of kind of a bad monetization which we've seen grow um quite fast and and quite significantly over the last couple of years how do you think that sort of changed the game no no pun
0: intended yep. <laughs> changed the game of games um i think this was actually very interesting like with my personal evolution also with the products that we were dealing with back then which were only rewarded and how the market reacted to them back then when you think about the transition from paid model to free to play and how exactly do you integrate ads to monetize those kind of games the biggest shift was I think uh, where uh, gaming companies product managers realized how valuable it is for the users because unlike system initiated ads where we're talking about banners and interstitials that are kind of creating that uh, interruption of experience and are kind of surprise the users and it's pretty easy to say that for most human beings out there it's not a positive experience mostly no matter what is shown but especially within Gaming, When you think about uh, rewarded ads and how exactly are they baked into those games today, you really see them as a big part of the initial product design. It's part of the core loop design of those games. It became features. When you think about rewarded videos, it's it's a feature that improves uh, retention engagement when people are trying to evolve, uh, progress in the game. When they just fail a level, they're giving an option to revive or go back. Um, They will engage with rewarded video. And think about an awful that would be more of an alternative payment method where instead of spending dollars, they can actually uh, engage with other ads and, and in order to gain access to currency. And that educates those users much better on the, the game economy. And also it's funny to see when, in some cases, if users are no longer seeing those uh, placements, they react with a one-star rating saying, hey, where's that? Uh, watch my video and revive. Uh, I need it back. I can't play as much as before instead of what we or people perceived to be part of the same group of ads where people say, hey, too many ads, I want to play this game one star rating. Kind of broke down the understanding between those two different ad products, ad approaches, ad strategies. And th- this is also why we see much, much more successful Uh, businesses out there that are based on ads we don't see them the top grossing uh, charts because that's based on in-app purchase revenue but if if those charts would also combine ads and and in-app purchase uh, revenues uh, together those charts will be look completely differently and that's very interesting to witness that growth based on this understanding Mm
1: -hmm. and how how does ad monetization kind of fit into the idea of the growth loop
0: so the growth loop is not necessarily about or for uh, apps, games that monetize with ads. At the end of the day, when you think about the growth loop, it's a podcast, so we, people can't really see it right now. But when you think about the step of the loop where people engage with the app itself inside the app, you have different monetization models. This can be an app purchase driven subscription. This can be ads or a, a pretty much anything else. It's just one of those monetization strategies. It doesn't necessarily mean that it fits only ad monetization apps or games, but is just one of them. And it means that it needs to be measured as properly as other uh, monetization tools for you to have the right insights and act accordingly.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe let's actually sort of take a second and say what the growth loop actually is. We can't sort of visualize it, but I guess we probably can sort of talk through kind of how it works, what are the different stages and, and kind of also how, how did you come to think of growth in this way, looking at it as a loop and not a funnel.
0: Yeah. So so historically, also for us as a company, we were working kind of in this split approach. Historically, this was because of the business was mostly working with desktop, monetizing desktop games uh, back then on Facebook Canvas, where the advertisers that were spending dollars there, they were uh, mostly brands. And uh, this was two different business approaches, two different operational teams for us. And uh, with the shift to mobile, what happened actually is that the developers integrating our Technology also became the biggest buyers on the platform, and uh, I was looking for something that can tell the story of how exactly those businesses evolved those apps turn into a business, and how exactly that can be visualized and, and broken down into process, thinking process, for us to basically approach those businesses, those apps, and analyze them properly, understand where exactly are the gaps, and optimize them. And, and also, this is basically what we're using for our product strategy approach, uh, and it tells the story of basically when you build a game or you or an app or you launch any business, it's ready, it's a, it's a game, it's a bakery, doesn't matter, but it's, you're ready, you're waiting for your clients, no one comes in, you need to get them in. And that's kind of the first step of this, I was about to say funnel, uh, of this loop basically you have the product ready, door is open, no one comes in, so you need to get some people inside, so either people come in organically or uh, word of mouth, or you acquire some users on on some uh, user acquisition platform, and that would be the first step where basically people come in, and that's the first time your product kind of engages with the world, and this is also where you start seeing how the people react to your product. Now, when they once they're inside your product, I'll actually use a the bakery example, which is not a game, it's not an app, but it's it kind of to me it kind of simplifies the story actually, where you have your, your bakery ready and you have everything ready and, and smelling good, but people start coming in. Some of them are because you advertised around the block and some some of them are organically just walking by. Now, when, once they're in, you, they come in and they start buying things. They start engaging with your product. And that's the, the second step where basically you monetize those users. Not everyone are going to be paying. Some some of them are going to come in and, and leave. Uh, some of them are going to come in and, and only buy Donut. donuts, uh, croissants, cookies, whatever it is. And then they'll leave and then the, the first day is over and you kind of look at the numbers you saw how many people came in you see what they buy and the third step of the funnel will be okay i'm getting ready for tomorrow how can i optimize everything that is happening within the bakery for tomorrow so i actually see that donuts are sold out 11 a.m and a lot of people ask for it later on so maybe i should get some more donuts ready for tomorrow uh i made these pistachio whatever cookies and no one touched them so maybe i need that shelf place for something else tomorrow you have your insights based on you kind of. Of measuring what happened how many people came in how did they engage with what you offered and you get ready for tomorrow and that would be kind of the, that's like step three having all those insights and uh, uh, analyzing and optimizing your product so that the step four would be before tomorrow morning should i change anything in how i bring people back in and that means kind of measuring everything around not only what happened internally inside my app but also the ads that i showed out there how much did i pay for them where did those users come from did they come from the facebook ad did they come from the flyers or Put in the in the mailboxes, or did they come in only organically? How much did I pay for them, and that does that make sense to keep paying those numbers, or do I need to change anything? For example, do I need to change the name of the bakery, then the sign outside, because maybe that will increase the organic users that are coming in because they're searching for something? That would be a good analogy for ASO and what kind of appears out there in the window. Do I put a flyer? If you buy a coffee, you get something for free, but. The next morning, basically, you have a better understanding of your advertising dollars. Where did they go? And did you change anything? You changed the bid? Did you change the messaging? Did you change the creatives? And tomorrow morning, hopefully, if you did things right, you have more people coming in for cheaper, maybe even more organics. And these guys might be different, might be the same. They come in and they engage again with the product. And now you have more of the donuts, less of the pistachio cookies, and you actually make more dollars per user. And on the second day, you can also see and measure that actually some people came back that were also there yesterday not all of them only some of them that would be your day one retention what does that mean how do they behave Mm -hmm. and this is what you're gonna basically that's that's your homework for night two how do they behave with what actions do i need to take within the bakery and outside with how i engage with the market and the better you are in measuring analyzing things and, and optimizing your product better your performance marketing better that loop kind of accelerates faster i hope that kind of tells the story in a simplified way but those would be the four steps of the loop as we see it and that made things much easier for us to kind of simplify where things are broken where things are behind where we should focus and also where the developer should focus where we should focus product wise and where the value uh, sits.
1: so part of the idea behind the growth loop is sort of connecting the two halves of the business monetization and marketing or user acquisition and these as you said both in terms of our sources business and in terms of our clients these traditionally were kind of siloed departments are you seeing more and more game companies unite um, these two activities how the studios kind of respond when you suggest that merging these two sides of the coin might actually lead to kind of accelerated growth
0: yeah so we it's a great question so it very much depends on the markets physically is it you know Europe China US also how big the companies are the bigger the companies are these changes will take much longer in most cases it hasn't yet happened yet mm-hmm. for the smaller ones the companies that get started today it just happens naturally just because they they don't have enough working hands and they kind of start uh, having the same person do both. In in a way, this makes things simpler for a smaller company. For the bigger ones, even if they're still split, I think the paradigm shift starts with having this understanding of where you know money comes in money comes out and how exactly do you accelerate that growth loop and as long as there's good collaboration between those teams and insights and data that is flowing correctly it can still work in that way usually what we're seeing in the market is that it rolls up to the same person most companies today mm-hmm. not necessarily the same team but eventually it might end there but today it, it can still be split teams rolling up to the same guy
1: mm-hmm. can companies or, or developers or smaller studios start kind of leveraging the idea and practice of the growth loop sort of today, tomorrow, or are there certain data sets or tools that are critical to making it work? Can you do it, uh, quote unquote, on your own, or are there certain things you need that are sort of, you know, mission critical, growth loop critical, if you will?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, if you start today, I think that the first thing you need to, like, when you look at the, the top apps today, top free apps, look at the charts. In most cases, you see people there, not necessarily because they have built the best games out there. There's, you know, hundreds of thousands of apps out there, probably tens of thousands of amazing games but they're not there in the top three charts are not that successful as businesses and uh, the main reason is whether or not they knowledge understand and execute on the right performance marketing strategy and if you start tomorrow morning and you have that understanding that I need to put the right tools in place to make it work. When you look at the loop, for that loop to even exist, the basic thing would be measurement and what things do you have in place to measure everything around, everything that is happening outside the bakery on your marketing, everything that is happening inside. Do you really know if donuts were sold and how much uh, each user engaged with, uh, with the donut and how much did they pay? And that would be how uh, in a purchase measurement works around attribution, where did those users come from, did, where they, did they come in organically or from a specific ad that you put out there. For ad-based games it's critical to also understand how revenue is generated from ads and how it's tied back to where those users came from. So you can optimize things better. You can understand how you can price users. And once you have measurement in place, I think the processes that you build on top of it where you kind of break down that loop and understand what needs to be done process-wise, day over day, week over week, what monitoring you put in place. And basically, how do you translate all that measurement into insights? That's kind of the next step. And then how do you take action on those insights? How do you execute? Is it Annually. with the evolution of the, the platforms it's much easier today so you can go live with, with a few campaigns very fast very easy where users are going to start coming in into your app and um, the more sophisticated you get over time yes you'll probably need to invest more resources in, into automation across different channels around uh, optimizing your ad monetization strategy how exactly do you a b test uh, your strategy of monetization how do you kind of evolve and improve your ltv while you make the right marketing decisions but the, the short answer would be yes, you can start by yourself tomorrow morning, as long as you understand that it requires full time and a lot of knowledge. And um, the market is growing there in terms of knowledge, and more and more people know what to do. That. It- I wouldn't say that we're where we should be but there uh, but there's good progress there mm-hmm.
1: and and let's talk about kind of the difference between let's call it external market data and internal kind of game or, or app data and the difference between sort of is there a difference between a good game and a good business and if you have a good game does it necessarily make for a good business
0: yeah i think this is i think to me this was kind of the biggest lesson uh as someone that plays games and uh, is in this industry and, and meeting a lot of these developers globally I've Seen a lot of great games. Either it's based on my personal opinion as a user playing those games, where it's games that I played for a while, I spent money in, or games that hit great uh, benchmarks when you think about the game. So, very high retention rates. ARBDAO is strong, your LTV curve is growing fast, and things look promising. Or if you're building a certain game, you would expect certain metrics to be something around ARBDAO uh, retention, how the game really produces revenue. But then when that game goes to market, either that game becomes huge or that game becomes nothing and people move on to the next game. And on the other hand, we've seen a lot of games that, you know, it took like maybe a week or two or three to build those games, don't have enough depth or sophistication. They are very simple, not very polished, to say the least in in some cases. But those games spend a lot of time in the top 10 and they stay there for a while, profitably generating six, seven figures a day of revenues. Um, How can that be possible? And that was one of the things that really kickstarted the growth thought process for me because when you think about that question, can a good game really be a good business? Or another question be, can I build a good app business with a mediocre game? And the answer is yes because it's not about uh, uh, how good the game is. It's also and it has to be combined with how well the market reacts to that game. So if your game generates $10 LTVs and retention looks great and people keep spending, does that mean that a lot of people want to play that game? On the opposite side, if my game only generates $0.30 LTV, can I even do something with it? And the answer is yes, in in many cases, if the market will like to play that game. And that's also kind of where the growth loop is broken down into between the, everything that is happening outside of the bakery and everything that is happening inside historically games were judged based on everything that is happening inside and these metrics of retention are how, how stable they are how people engage with those ads uh, with those apps and the ads in those apps or ad based but the question of how many people will really uh, going to come in and maybe you know maybe that bakery is in a place where no one wants to see a bakeries maybe there's 25 bakeries around the corner that are cheaper and better and answering that question of is my game marketable which combines those two two layers. One is how well does that game monetize? Combined with how well the market reacts, only that answers that question. So even if the game is great, it's necessarily going to be a good business if no one wants to play the game. Once they see it, they see an ad for it. Uh, or the people really want to play this game without even trying it on for first and once they are in. They don't monetize that well, but we still have millions of people that want to play that game. Overall, that creates a good business, even though LTV is $0.30 cents versus $10. And we've seen that happen a lot in the last uh, two years.
1: Mm-hmm. And then this begs the question, if marketability and checking marketability is the key to kind of successfully starting the growth loop and really building successful apple game business do you have to therefore sort of start with some kind of nominal ua budget can you assess marketability without spending on ua or without spending big on ua
0: definitely yes this is um, something that is um At the end of the day, when you think about it is your bakery doesn't have to be ready at all, right? It can be um, empty. It can just have the sign outside and have the smell of a bakery coming in from the inside. But when you put out ads out there, if you have a thousand people seeing those ads and one guy comes into your bakery or... 100, that will tell you how good the product market fit is initially when you think about marketability, because people have seen there's a bakery here, there's a game that does this, and then they reacted trying it out. And that gives you what we call the IPM metric, which would be the installs per mil per thousand impressions. If a thousand people saw the ad and the 100 came in, that would be the IPM of 100. But if you put the ad out there, only one came in, that's much, much weaker. So that's 100 times weaker. And this means that for you to be able to sustain the same volumes, you need your monetization to be a hundred times better mm-hmm. and to gauge that doesn't require a lot it requires in some cases a few hundred dollars maybe a thousand dollars on one of the ua platforms out there to just test that where the purpose is those one thousand dollars is not to how do i make those one thousand dollars fifteen hundred dollars in the short term it would be i'm investing thousand dollars two thousand dollars into this marketability test where i build a creative and be part of that budget and then i go and test this and now i just wasted a thousand dollars but i have the answer uh, because probably the those guys will not monetize uh, well yet because things have not been optimized within the product, within marketing, which kind of users they be bringing in. But this will answer roughly that uh, question. I think another big part of that is understanding benchmarks. This is something that we've published before, but it's something that people should feel free to reach out and ask. So, if I'm in if I'm a bakery, what should I expect? Should I expect a 100 or 50 or 20? And if I'm fixing tires, maybe it's 0.5 or 2. And this is where you know what you should expect. So, if you set up an auto shop in the, the wrong neighborhood and, and, and the IPM ex- expectation is too, you also understand like how much you need to charge and how well you need to build your product to even make it to market. And in many cases, this kills games very fast. So, the market likes those games or they are like, but your monetization metrics are very far behind. You do your best, doesn't work out, you move, you move on. But that kind of combines that understanding of how will the market react to my app. Testing this doesn't require a lot and it gives you that answer. And That's what you need. And that's, I think that's the biggest insight here that I, I don't think existed as much a couple years ago.
1: And how many games do you see or studios actually do you see kind of uh, factoring in a marketability test every single time? Sort of how many of them are doing that now as standard practice.
0: So what we've seen is like uh, this shift from. uh, It also depends on the type of games, how deep they are and how sophisticated they are. But it uh, essentially it is naturally the becoming part of the soft launch process, where the app is somewhat ready. It needs to be tested at certain scale. We need to see some users coming in. Usually it's launched in in some uh, smaller markets. Part of that test is not only getting these users in and seeing how well they retain and monetize, but also seeing how how well did they react to my ads? What was the IPM? Is it on benchmark? Is it below? Do I need to start also optimizing creatives? Can I go live in that process with a couple of creatives, build the right one? That's for the bigger studios, I would say, becoming embedded in the process. When you look at the smaller studios, the hyper-casual guys, it's, I would say, this is the, the part, just part of the process. Uh, the app is ready, usually just goes live globally at small scale. IPM is tested. If numbers make sense, uh, basically, you know when you think about the IPM or how low your CPIs are in the on the, on the platform you test, if it's lower than what you can afford, then basically you have your next opportunity business wise.
1: Mm-hmm. And what happens sort of once you, let's say you sort of cracked the loop, if you will, steps one through four? You're tracking everything, you're sort of updating your menu, lots and lots of donuts, now donuts in different flavors, no more pistachio cookies. Your advertising strategy is also sort of optimal. You sort of say, okay, I've, I've cracked my growth loop and now I'm going to move on. New bakery, new location or is there sort of a stage five which is where you see kind of the loop accelerate?
0: Yeah, so I would say that I don't know if it's stage five but the next step after stage four is back to one but you have the better insights now you know better what to do. So I think, you know, we mentioned benchmarks and that's a great tool to use understanding where exactly are you behind. So if you know that the market reacts to the bakery as expected. So historically, every bakery that was opened here had an IPM of 20. You have an IPM of 20, maybe higher, but LTV should be $5. Yours is 3 You know you need to invest time in your monetization. So that would be step three. And how do you make step two better? Um, So using benchmarks to always kind of balance am I behind and where am I behind gives you the understanding of where to focus because you can't focus on everything. And when you do this kind of day over day, week over week, month over month, you'll find different reasons every time. You know, I'm kind of putting aside everything around like things like how saturated people become with donuts and your bakery and how creatives need to be refreshed. And, uh, but that's just part of the process. And yes, at the end of the day, most games don't stay as big, but in, in this process, every time when you look at that loop and, and you ask your question, what, where am I behind? It's going to be different things. It could be uh, suddenly your app started start crashing. So your retention dropped, your monetization dropped. This could be a new placement that you added that is showing the rewarded videos for people that want to get a new weapon or a new card colors scan, whatever it is, uh, increased your revenue for your LTV. So now you can actually accelerate faster. This can be something wrong, uh, technically something wrong with your creative strategy because you're actually your competitors are outperforming you. Someone with a very similar bakery around the corner actually driving a lot of people there. So your IPM just dropped and people starting going there and you understand what did they do. Analyze that, become smarter tomorrow morning. And the more focused you are on the loop and on where you are behind and you kind of have a good grasp of all these metrics, assuming you have measurement in place because without it you won't survive you'll maximize that opportunity i would say and eventually yes you might need to open a different bakery somewhere Mm -hmm. hopefully you'll open five more in the franchise
1: so speaking of benchmarks obviously they differ significantly across categories but what are the benchmarks that you should be looking at in the growth loop in terms of metrics so we talked about ipm that's clearly one really important one when it comes to sort of marketability but what are the other metrics that you should be looking at in steps kind of one through four that you should then be sourcing benchmarks?
0: marks for sure um i think this is where the market is shifting to really understanding that things around how do users engage with the products with those donuts inside your business is uh, where where it's becoming very interesting so you know it starts with retention it starts with, uh, with the arbda obviously those are kind of the horizontal metrics uh, of people that are coming in but um understanding engagement rates what does that funnel look like when people step in and how many of them really approach the donuts or not for things that monetize right so this can be in a purchase products placements uh, content this can be ads right so if you have a new placement for example you launch your game with uh, three different rewarded video placements and one of them people are not engaging with so it's either the reward is wrong or the placement is hidden or it's just interfering in the gameplay there's a lot of games that are not really following the right best practices where, where they really utilize those products specifically for ads, how many people would say what we have a metric that is called the user rate is for each user, how much does he engage with ads, right? So for those that did chose to approach those placements, on average, how many times they do that every day, a session. And how can that be optimized where you are behind benchmark? I think things around the market perspective would be, you know, when you look deeper into IPM understanding where are you behind. So when you look at people that are getting to the store, but deciding not to download the game. So this might point to an issue with your ASO, with your reviews, with how the app looks like, with the ratings. And I think that um, these metrics are kind of leading metrics that can point you to where things are broken, but things can be broken in many places, right? This can be something is wrong with the creative. Something is wrong with your app store page. Something is wrong with the app so ratings are getting lower. People are not onboarded correctly so you need to fix onboarding because that will push your day one retention higher. Something is wrong with the session length or the amount of sessions per user. Maybe your session length is too long so people don't like playing those games and they never come back. How people really you know, monetize. Maybe it's your latest update is crashing. Some, something is off with the product. It's a constant process that you need to keep your eyes on the metrics and if something changes, you need to understand why. Maybe, for example, fraud is something that has impacted your IPM. You turn on a new marketing channel But your IPM actually dropped on all the rest of the channels, this might mean that your new marketing channel is manipulating attribution or defrauding you in some way where you're actually showing ads on channels and those channels are not driving any more users because they stopped seeing the conversions coming in because another fraudulent entity uh, interfered here. There's a lot of, you know, whys and then based on that the how exactly you need to approach each and maybe we can dive into it in a different opportunity but looking at those metrics inside that growth loop will really answer uh, the question where you, where you should focus and understanding what exactly happened that requires the deeper analysis and based on the insights action plan mm
1: last question because we are running out of time kind of taking a, a zoom out here do you think that there are specific genres which lend themselves to success with the growth loop or is it kind of equally impactful and equally kind of right for a hyper casual game as a mid-core as a hardcore game
0: um yeah that's a great question to finish up with i think that the faster you are as a business uh, the easier it is it's going to be which means that you know the leaner you are the smaller the team is the the faster you take uh, products to market, it's easier for you, and I think specific genre would be the hyper casual category where it's devel- development time is shorter. Games are produced faster. They cannot be compared to a strategy game using seven different mechanics and an IP. It's just completely different. So the pace of you iterating that loop is much lower. So it's specifically for hyper casual games, much cheaper to produce, much cheaper to test marketability. If you think about it, like creatives are easier to produce. It's just gameplay. And also because of the higher IPMs, the better the market reacts to them. You need less data to make decisions. Mm. So when you, your IPM benchmark is one, you need millions of impressions to even understand, are you on below or above the benchmark? When your IPM is 50, 80, 100, you need a couple thousands, which is much cheaper. And that means you can answer that question faster and move on to the next step and monetize. Same thing for ARPA because the market likes those games so much. Hundreds of thousands of people, are, new guys coming in every day and DAUs cross the millions. You have a a lot of data work with and answer your in-app analysis and optimization faster. So retention, ARPDAL, all the metrics that I mentioned around crashes, which specific version, what happened to that SDK, what happened to that level, people stop here, people don't engage with that. You can basically move faster with these kind of games just because you have a lot of data and it's cheaper to answer a lot of questions. So I think that category enjoys it the most currently, even though the framework fits others too, it's just easier to operate for this category.
1: Right, the frame fits, it's yeah. just how quickly and how cheap you make it work for you exactly so thank you very much this has been super interesting
0: thanks melissa